You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. You know how everybody always says I'm a real health nut? How that people say that? Um, Nobody's ever said that. (laughs) Well... So I was uh, I was trying to do something healthy the other day. Uh, there was this little Good. supplement packet. You know, how you buy supplements. You put in water, and it'll give you like electrolytes and stuff like that. So I had this little little packet that I was going to mix with some water. I'm like, all right, this will be healthy for me. So I'll I get a Topo Chico. So I drink a little bit of it, so this powder will fit in. And I go and I pour the powder into the Topo Chico. And this thing exploded out the top like a champagne. Oh, like a Mentos. And oh, a like Diet a Mentos and Diet Coke. It was freaking everywhere. <laughs> there was about half an inch of water left in this bottle afterwards. So just a just a safety tip for you. There, there you go. There's my tip the, for the what day. What was this powder? I don't remember. It was it was some kind of powder that I actually had gotten a lot of them when I was uh, hiking Kilimanjaro. And so when you deplete, like an electrolyte, it was, it was like an electrolyte, like a thing. liquid IV type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So my lesson there is, uh, don't try don't, don't put stuff in my Topo Chico. Well, that's, that's one of the lessons, okay. uh, you know, just, you know, try things in small doses, I guess, you know, yeah, I, okay. I try, you know, I, I go into these things and I try and get healthy. Uh, sometimes I'll bring you along. I remember bringing you to a, uh, we went to spiral diner years ago. You remember that? Horrible experience. I took you. So it was this, uh, it was a, a, a vegan restaurant. Which is a key component that you left out I, when I, inviting me to the restaurant. I, I, I feel like you wouldn't have gone if I told you it was a vegan That's restaurant. That's why you should have told me. Yeah. So I, uh, I take you to this place and we're having breakfast and we sit down and you still don't know it's vegan. And the lady comes to take the order. He said, ah, you know, I don't know. I'll just have like, you know, scrambled eggs and bacon. <laughs> She looked at you like you had just killed a kitten. And she goes, sir, you know, we're, this is a vegetarian or vegan restaurant. And you go, oh, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll just have the pancakes. And she goes, uh, those are made with milk. We don't have, we don't have pancakes. Horrible. <laughs> I think you were pretty upset. Yeah. And I've never been back. Well, if you're interested in making health decisions that won't explode in your face, like a Topo Chico bottle filled with uh, noon powder, then Listen to our guest today, Dr. Julie Kennedy. She's a board-certified family nurse practitioner with a focus in functional medicine. With a doctorate of nurse pra- nursing practice and an MBA from TCU, she also holds certifications in health coaching, Pilates, yoga, mindfulness, functional medicine, health coaching, and tons of other aspects of the healthcare business. Dr. Kennedy uses functional medicine to help clients achieve optimal health. She started her journey in functional medicine over 25 years ago during her undergraduate nursing studies. And now she's here to uh, help you make some actionable steps in improving your own wellness. So stick around, learn a little bit. I think you'll walk away with at least one practical tip that you can implement in your life. I'm Sanger Smith with my dad, Sean Smith, and this is Decidedly. Hey, Julie. Good to see you again. Hey, Julie. Hi. Hey. Hey, good morning. Great to see you guys. You know, it's a small world and you're in Fort Worth. We're in Fort Worth. 
I didn't know that you taught uh, yoga over at Clear Fork. I do. I love it. One of my favorite things to do. Well, I used to be really into yoga and a friend of mine, Steve, he got me into it and he comes over one day. He's like, dude, how do you know Julie Kennedy? I'm like, how do you know that I know Julie Kennedy? He's like, well, I saw <laughs> y'all are friends on Facebook or whatever. Cause you know, Facebook just, <laughs> it's like it, it announces when you become friends with someone. It's like, now I've got to tell everybody that you have this mutual friend. So I guess somehow he saw it <laughs> and is like, yeah, dude, I used to go to the, the clear fork yoga all the time. Yeah, there you go. I love that so much. You know, it's one of my favorite things because there's a lot of beginners and I love, I love teaching beginners. I love introducing them to the, you know, tool of yoga. I call it a tool, you know, as, as a opportunity for stress management and mm -hmm. mindfulness. Um, and then I love anything community. So it's just, it's a really sweet, sweet opportunity for me to be a part of. Morgan, our producer normally uh, sets us up to talk with people from all over the world. Like I think the last person we talked to was in New Zealand. I saw that you were here in Fort Worth and actually have your MBA from TC like I do. I don't think we were there at the same time. But, and I'm, uh, yeah. couple horned That's frogs, awesome. Horned frogs. That's right. I actually, I started, just started teaching there this past week. What are, you, what are you teaching? I'm a clinical instructor for junior nursing students. So I take them to the clinical site and they, they spend their days there. They, they do their hours and learn and practice. What made you decide to go into teaching at TCU? You know, it's funny. I, when I was little, I wanted to teach. That's what I thought I would do. And so, um, but I always have had like a math science background. And so I was able to incorporate doing both. One of the reasons I got my doctorate was to come back and teach in a co collegiate level. So you, yeah. you were telling me uh, last time that we talked that when you were in your undergraduate studies, you started to get sick. You got lupus, um, which I didn't know anything about until you had told me. Uh, I thought Good. that was leprosy. And I was like, <laughs> I'm glad we're meeting Good. over Zoom. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, so you got. <laughs> Not, so you didn't catch anything. Yeah, exactly. You got ill <laughs> and you started yeah. to have a negative experience with Western medicine, which is a story that I've heard a lot. And it's a story that's familiar to me. So you start having a lack of success and starting to kind of find your own ways of healing yourself and started to work. And then you have your daughter several years later and she has health issues and she has a similar experience. Western medicine is not really helping her. And that kind of inspired you to pursue this pathway with um, your career, get more education on how to heal in a, in a different way and certain help other people do that. So how much of this career that you found yourself in helping people create, um, healthy habits for themselves, find non-traditional ways to heal um, and to live a, a wellness lifestyle. How much of that could you have seen when you were 19 for yourself? You know, it has been an interesting road. I have had several pivotal moments over the last almost 30 years now of health, health issues between me and my daughter and just through the experience and educating myself, learning the hard way, not really knowing about functional medicine, um, not really having just like one or two people that I could go to, but really piecing things together myself. Um, it's 
it's been it's been a fun journey and so much that I mentor a lot of you know younger people on how to take a shorter path into functional and holistic <laughs> Not health. Not do the long road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of piece mine together like okay, I'll become a health coach. Okay, I'll become a yoga teacher, a Pilates teacher, mindfulness, you know, getting all these little dabbling in certifications and then finally just being like okay, I'm going to do this the right way and be able to help people in a bigger way. But, you know, I do, yeah. I, men- I mentor a lot of people um, and I just kind of find their interest and say, okay, well, look at these different programs, consider these different paths that are a little bit shorter than my 30 year journey. But, you know, at the same time, all of my experiences are not for waste. The people that I see, I, I um, am able to relate and have empathy those are powerful things using experiences to help. The work that you do is a lot like the work that Sanger and I do. When we say as a financial advisor, there are a lot of different paths that can bring someone to seeking financial advice. Yeah, right? And you've got to connect with, based on the, the things that I do, based on the things that Sanger does, finding the people that are aligned the right way to receive the best value from that. When you When you look at the work that you're doing, and maybe it's the maybe it's the same, is that there can be a lot of paths that lead somebody to a health coach, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, I just I just want to get more mobility or lose weight yeah. or, you know, just I've got this medical issue I've got to work through. What are you finding most people are dealing with that causes them to seek out someone like you? Because it, it's not like going to, you are a doctor, but it's not like going to the hospital or I'm going to go to the doctor because this hurts and you're going to prescribe me something. It seems like you're more holistic sort of looking at the overall person. Yes. So most of the people that I see are pretty sick and they have symptoms that just kind of range. They bounce around all over the place and they're going to all these different providers and no one's piecing it together. And so when I see people, you know, the treatments that I offer treat them as a whole and these symptoms overall calm down because we're treating the root instead of just band-aiding all these little symptoms separately. That's one population of people. And then the other population, and sometimes it crosses, but a lot of execs, they see business owners and execs that they're like, you know, I feel pretty good, but I really want to elevate my game and be, you know, be bigger in all the roles that I play. Yeah, so those those are two I would think pretty different disciplines. It's sort of like in our business, you know, sort of the Dave Ramsey is getting people out of debt, and yeah, you know, other financial advisors are looking at sort of transforming wealth, significance, and things like that. And those are really different areas of the same category. Let's say when you find that people are coming to you when you said they're really sick, what are you finding that they're trying to do or that they are doing that just isn't working? that you're able to recognize and then say, hey, try this other thing? Like what's missing from the diagnosis and prescription that that you're able to identify? Well, in traditional medicine, and you know, that's, that is part of my background too. And, and people ask me that a lot. Why did you do, why did you go that path? And, and um, that's a whole nother topic, but traditional medicine well, is very, very, sure very that, much. Too. Yeah, I will. Traditional medicine is very much cut, cut it out or give it a pill, you know? And so yeah. it's kind of a short way to put it. Um, it's like, okay, diagnose and then treat the symptom. Diagnose, treat. And so, and there is a time and place. I mean, 
if we if I got in a car wreck and I cut my arm off, it's not the time to talk about broccoli. I want to get my arm sewn back on and then come back in right. and talk about, you know, nutrition to support healing. Um, so there's a, a time and place for both. But so typically when I see these people that are really sick, they've had surgeries, they've had they're on lots of medications, um, but they're all just treating the symptoms. And so getting to the root and, you know, helping their body to heal um, from a foundational level is, is the difference. What are the doctors doing? When, when people are coming to you and they say, hey, I have these illnesses, I have these symptoms, I can't figure it out, I can't find anything that's working. What are those, what's different about the diagnosis and treatment methods specifically that you do versus what their other doctors are doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I come at it again from a very holistic approach. So we talk about things that range from food to their sleep, to their relationship, to their work, their supplements, their, their toxicity. So just the cleaning products they use, the makeup, skincare, and then also getting rid of toxins from their body. So that whole whole general lifestyle kind of revamp. Um, and then also I do a lot of advanced testing. Um, so not just basic blood work. And then even with basic blood work, we look at optimal range as opposed to just not diagnosing a disease, which is what very much traditional medicine. Someone can be right on the end, at, at end of a normal range but just feel like I don't feel well. And it's because it's not optimal levels. Yeah. So not everybody can be put clearly in a box of sick or healthy. It sounds like you're right. trying to say, Hey, how can we improve? And if improvement is the goal, then we can always do something. Yeah. You know, we sure. can always improve. We can always create new, healthier habits, remove unhealthy habits and do things that are going to make you feel better. That makes sense. Sure. What do you, what is it about the traditional model that you think causes doctors to not ask obvious questions or at least questions that seem obvious to you and I? What's your diet like? What's your sleep schedule like? What's your work stress level like? What are your relationships like at home? Those seem like really very obvious questions to me that I would want my doctor to ask me, but why do they not? Well, I think the top the top two biggest reasons, one is that's not what it's trained in school. And then the second reason is time. You know, insurance coverage only allows for certain periods of time to be spent, for example, 15 minutes for an established patient, patient 30 minutes for a new patient. Whereas I spend two hours to 90 minutes, um, depending on how, you know, extreme a case is. But just getting to know, getting their history. And then really every time I see them, I get more and more history. But I also am out of pocket, out of pocket, you know. So it's that insurance doesn't cover the time that I spend with people. So that, that is one of my goals is um, I'm actually interviewing nurses right now about helping me come in and do more group-based programs to build accessibility to this type of treatment. So I have a ton of questions for you already, but I, I wanted to, you, you <laughs> mentioned something a minute ago. You, you said, you mentioned kind of in passing, you said my own experience with traditional medicine. Yeah. What, uh, what happened? Well, so when I was, Sarah kind of mentioned this, but when I was 19, yeah. I, 
I was young. I mean, obviously young and I was extremely active. I grew up an athlete, um, felt like I was pretty healthy. I mean, I kind of, your typical teenage diet going out, staying up late in college and all that. But overall felt like I was pretty active and healthy. And when I started getting the lesion on my face, they call it a butterfly rash with discoid lupus. And I thought, man, I got a bug bite. Wait, or so something. this is just like a, a cut on your face or a sore on your face? It's, a ra- like, it's like a rash. It's a like rash. a little rash. It's okay. called a malar or butterfly rash, but mine was kind of unique. It wasn't your stereotypical malar or butterfly rash that comes along with discoid lupus. So I just okay. get like this little kind of coin quarter size lesion on the same side. And the first month I had it, I was like, man, I got bitten by a bug. You know, it's kind of out. What out. the heck's this? Yeah. Yeah. What is that? So I ignored it and it went away. And then it came back the next month. It was hormonally related. And so it come back before my cycle. And then the second month I was like, I'm going to go to the dermatologist. And they, so they kind of gave me a steroid cream or something. And then it came back again, again, hormonally related. So the third month they biopsied it. And they said, this isn't typical, but it's just came back to squid lupus. I got a second opinion. They did another biopsy, same thing. Well, the treatment for discoid lupus is Plaquenil, which that has become pretty popular with COVID lately, but it's an immunosuppressive. It's an anti-malarial actually by, by trade. And so I took that and my hair started falling out because of it. I lost all this hair and I was dizzy all the time. I was having to go in every week and get blood work to make sure my levels were okay. And I thought, this is not, this is not going to be my I, life. I'd, I'd rather have a rash once a month. Yeah. 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 And so I, they said, well, this is your only treatment option. And I thought, well, this is not my only treatment option. And so these are period, these are things that have happened several times in my life with different situations. And so I, weaned myself off within a year and a half and I started adopting um, different lifestyle uh, measures, you know, just more better nutrition, better sleep, just trying to do stress management. So I was in remission for 12 years and I can fast forward to that. The other time that, um, another significant time in my life, in my late, in my mid twenties, actually, I started to get allergies, seasonal allergies. It started out in this the spring, you know, traditional spring allergies, never had them before. Then the next year it was spring and fall, progressively getting worse to where I was on all these medications and the allergy doctor said, you need shots. This, these medications are not working for you. This all happened within like a three-year period. And I said, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend, you know, twice a week for five years as the treatment plan for allergy shots. And so I went to four different allergy doctors, hoping for a different response. They all said the same thing. So I took myself off dairy. I started using lavender essential oil under my tongue and weaned myself off all those medications, including steroids. I mean, I was fully maxed out. And so I haven't had, I haven't taken allergy medication since. So it's been 20 years. So again, that was another pivotal point where I was like, hmm. There's something, you know, like this is, 
I don't agree with this and I want to do something different. And then same thing with my daughter. She had health issues and um, they wanted to do surgery and all these things. And I just was like, we're not doing that. That's kind of the path that this yeah, led so me to where you, you got answers that you didn't like, which I've definitely received from talking to doctors who either give me a pill with side effects that I don't want to even risk or... Yeah. Uh, they tell me the amount of time that I've got to spend is is too long, or they tell me the money is too much, or they tell me it, whatever it is. I go, mm, there's got to be a better way. I know I'm not yep. as educated in in how to do it, so that's where you come in for people is to say, hey, you don't necessarily have to know all these answers, but if you're not talking to someone who is going to help you discover all of the components and all of the variables then you you know rely on someone like you who's going to help you help me or any other patient go what's what's my health like my exercise my work my relationships all these factors because it's overwhelming to someone like me who doesn't have a medical background how am I going to weigh the impact of all of these things sure you mentioned of work earlier and go okay well that's a component of not to say your work life is going to cause you to have lupus but your work life is going to have some impact on your overall health. How do you sure. see that um, for business owners? What are the types of things that people come to you um, and tell you in that initial meeting that make you go, ah, this is something that we've got to fix? Meaning that it, when you said business owners, you mean that it's it's what work-related issues are you finding? Yeah, what work-related issues do, do people have, uh, specifically entrepreneurs, business owners, like like the three of us, that when they come to you and you start to ask them about their work life, what are the answers that they give you that make you think, okay, we got we got some work to do here? The common thread among business owners, and this is including myself, you know, people meet me now and I think, wow, you're so, you're pretty calm, you're chill. I wasn't that's, always that's this way. That's what people say about me too. Like <laughs> nobody's ever said that about Sean. <laughs> I kind of assumed I kind of assumed that was sar- sarcasm. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was the right response. Really, thank you. Sean, it's not that I get that vibe from you. It's just that I figured that oh, that was some sort of sarcasm. Now. Yeah. No, okay. No, stand by stick <laughs> with, stick with you your position. You know, all right. Okay, Take here's it. the thing. You know, I, I always say there's there's positive positives and negatives to every personality trait. And we just have to learn, you know, the, the positives to use those for good. And then anything negative to start start working on that and growing and learning in those areas. And so people that are business owners are type A, very driven, but then we, we live over there, we stay over there and that's when it's unhealthy. And so my goal right away with business owners is for more self-care, more rest, more quiet time, more space, more mindfulness. You know, I think you're, you know, you're right. When you look at business owners, they tend to be, you know, that sort of type A personality kind of driven and, and you, you don't just shut that off when you right. leave the office, particularly if you're a business owner, that's just how you live your life. Right. And so it tends to be higher stress. So I'm, I'm guessing you see more high blood pressure, heart disease, you know, those types of things, the negative impacts of stress. Uh, you're talking about healthcare. I got this Garmin watch. I showed you my Garmin watch. I was really yeah. happy with, um, and so it was tracking sleep. And so I you had to wear it like every night. So wearing it while I sleep, I'm amazed at the variability in sleep and that what happens during the day 
how that negatively impacts sleep. I, I had a real stressful day the other day and God, my sleep just went to shit. Yeah. And, you know, or if I've had drinks with dinner right before bed, right? How that negatively impacted sleep. And I kind of knew that, but it, it was interesting to see it, just see the data. Yeah. That was, so, that was one of the many factors of me not drinking uh, or just saying, Hey, I, I'm going to completely stop drinking as I noticed started tracking my sleep five years ago. Jeez, this is, uh, not good. this is not, this is like a really big impact. It's not, I don't have to feel hung over to mm-hmm. have the, the reduced impact on my sleep. Yeah, it's true. I kind of joke that I energetically attract people like me. So, you know, the type A um, driven people, that's like my entire um, clientele. <laughs> and so it's like we get each other and so we can relate and I can give them tips and things I've learned because it's like just how I've lived my life and thing, areas that I've grown and um, things I've learned. But I studied a lot about the integrative approaches to sleep because it is such an issue for type A people. And I have learned that good sleep starts right when we wake up. Like the preparation for good sleep starts when we wake up. So getting some good sunlight, breathing and being mindful throughout the day, having that space and quiet time. Because if you try to throw your head on a pillow and you've been going, going, going all day, that's not setting you up for success. So there's all these habits that I've developed over the years that I know have a very positive impact on my wellness, my stress level throughout the day. And then that you know, scales up to improving my ability to meet my goals. The, my business's profitability is impacted by my commitment to these habits. Yeah. And so some of the habits are, and I'm assuming you're going to probably tell me these are all good things that you either do or you recommend. Uh, or we're going to analyze um, your stuff. You're do it, you tell me, tell me. Do I get to chime in? You, you don't do shit that's healthy, so you can you can just stay quiet. He's got a Garmin watch. I mean, he's trying, you know, he's, he's starting. you got a Garmin watch. Let's go read that. So sunlight exposure yes. really has helped me. Yes. Standing, gra- grounding myself, standing barefoot in the backyard for just a few minutes yep. helped me. High protein breakfast getting sleep, turning off the phone before sleep, all these little micro habits, right? You mm-hmm. put them all together, they have a really big impact. My question though for you is, if when you think of all these habits that are sustainable things that improve your wellness, not not a single one of them is going to make the difference in curing some uh, issue that I'm having, but all together they're going to have a big impact. For someone who's coming to you and they don't have these habits, Maybe what you're doing is you're convincing them that they need to start developing healthy habits. What are the first things that you recommend? Well, it just depends. That's always my response because if someone comes to me and they're drinking all the time, that's going to have the most impact. So I go after whatever is going to have the most impact. Or if I have someone that comes in, they're not sleeping at all. I try to get them sleeping. I, I try to go after whatever has the most damage in their life at that moment that can have the biggest impact. And if I can get them that and have some, you know, um, have them feeling a little bit better just from that big thing, then they have more buy-in and then, then it's on, you know, then they're like, okay, what now let's move, you know, let's do more. I want more. I want to feel better. And so that's kind of my approach. 
What do you think is the most important data point question that you're getting? I'm, I'm assuming that you have sort of an intake process and you say, I want to learn about this person. What are you finding is the most important thing you're asking? So in functional medicine, we look, we even look at before they were born. Um, we look at generational trauma, generational health, you know, past generations. What is, what is what, generational trauma? What you gave me? Oh, boy. This is a whole nother, that's a whole nother meeting yeah. we're going to have to have as a group. Um, so I do see a lot of people because mental health is one of my passions. And so I see a lot of people that have had trauma. So whether alcoholism, abuse, and that, okay. that kind of, um, that gets passed on. So if that meaning like if the grandparents or parents or both had this trauma and this fight or flight constantly in their environment, and then they get pregnant, let's say, you know, they get pregnant and then they're, they're constantly delivering these cortisol hormones, stress hormones that gets passed on. And so I see it a lot. Um, oh, I didn't the, know cortisol hormones got passed on to uh, fetus and babies. Well, yeah, right? because the, they're kind of listening to the environment all the time. And so if they're high stress all the time, then that gets passed on. I read an article that said a lack of food or hunger in a mother can cause that child to retain fat more. So somebody who is starving, who has a child, and then that child has, assuming they're not actually also starving, but they have a normal amount of resources when it comes to food, is more likely to be obese. That makes sense. And there's this, it's yeah. embedded in them to say, hey, we got to hang on to food, even though in their lived experience, they never were hungry. They never were worried where their next meal was coming from. They didn't necessarily experience it in their life, but their family history did. That can impact them. And I was, sure. whoa, that's, that is powerful. Yeah. Well, if you think about if, if, if I were, you know, pregnant right now and I was doing drugs like um, recreational drugs, we all know that that can have an impact on the fetus, right? Well, so hormones, why wouldn't we know or think that hormones running through the bloodstream at high levels, why wouldn't we realize like that can have an impact? And so whether it's cortisol or those hunger hormones that you're talking about, Sanger, definitely can have an impact just like if I were smoking or doing any other recreational drugs. Yeah. And I think there's really practical tips for how to reduce that stress um, in the life of an entrepreneur. You know, my team tells me that whenever <laughs> I don't have lunch break, that I'm just horrible to deal with. Morgan just afternoon. shit talk Sanger in the chat. Uh, yeah. yeah. She, so I, they, they, uh, I've heard that before. Hey, you know, oh, if I you, don't have. You get weird. Yeah. You, you get. You can't deal with you when you're hungry. Gotta, I mean, it's you so gotta, this is gotta this eat is healthy. a good it's this important. is a good segue into one of the things that I work with a lot of these business owners on is like when they take care of themselves and they do these things, they're they're able to show up in bigger ways and lead in bigger ways, and so um, it's pretty powerful to see the feedback that they get. Kind of like what you're saying, like I eat lunch and then I come back and I could be better at my job 
Um, and so, so if, if I'm looking at, you know, some of the ways that you, you could impact health and, you, you know, we talk, we talk about sleep. Okay, I can, I can do something about that. We talk about the, the food I eat. I can do something about that. This hereditary issue that I'm sort of born with, what, how, how do I mitigate the impacts of a uh, excess stress hormone when I'm, when I'm little? What do I do yeah. about that? So I, I help a lot with getting them signed up for things like EMDR, which is a type of um, a trauma work. Um, and then also retraining the brain. There's different retraining. What, is, what does EMDR stand for? Eye movement-based therapy. So it's retraining the brain, left and right sides. You, they use like vibration tools. It's a counselors have to be trained in it, but it just helps calm the nervous system and to retrain the brain. So there's different types of retraining the brain. So when we get into that fight or flight, we get in that part of the limbic the limbic part of the brain that is very much like focused on survival. Um, and when trauma or living in that state of stress all the time, when that happens chronically, we can get kind of stuck in that, that limbic fight or fight, flight part of the brain. And so there are programs out there that I direct people to do in books. Like if they can't afford a full program, there's books out there about retraining the brain. And so it's switching you from that sympathetic fight or flight to parasympathetic um, nervous system, which is rest and digest. It's more of a calm state. And so there are, you can retrain and learn new habits and form new neural pathways to help support this healthier lifestyle. When you look at fight or flight or freeze, you know, so these, these different options that we react to stress with, what do you think is the most effective way to deal with the increase uh, cortisol release and stress that we experience from entering into those, those states? Does all of them have, have a high stress result, I would think. Is it meditation or I, know, something breath, other than that? I would say breath work is the number one way to take us from sympathetic to a parasympathetic state. Space, mindfulness, being really present, it's, those are all great, great ways. How do you make space run in a business? I schedule time, actually, because is that what you're asking? Yeah, what does that look yeah. like on your calendar? So I put 15 minutes in between it. Typically, there's always 15 minutes in between appointments. And so that allows me to just ground for a moment, stop, stop that appointment that I was, that person that I was with, end that, close that, clear that, and then be ready for the next person to be grounded and present. Um, I have a snack, I'll drink some water, use the restroom, take care of myself in that time. Yeah, I, I used to not do that. Now it's an automated like 15-minute buffer in my calendar in every meeting, so I don't ever have the problem of people booking back-to-back meetings. And it, um, you know, I would go one to the next and have my like assistant come in and go, hey, you know, interrupt the meeting and say, hey, so-and-so's ready. And I would just never have a second. Yeah. And I would notice like, that I would be sitting there listening to somebody holding my breath. I'm holding my breath in a client meeting actively. I'm at work. 
Like it's not a, it shouldn't be this stressful where I can't even remember to breathe. (laughs) And I would be sitting there listening, holding my breath, waiting to talk. I have to remind myself to breathe, remind myself to do the only thing that actually came 100% natural to me since birth. (laughs) I have to remind myself. And um, so I've, I've found a lot of, a lot of help in doing exactly what you just said. Yeah. And I, I actually, you know, prescribe that to people that I meet with is because they'll say to me, well, I didn't have time to drink water. I didn't have time to go to the bathroom and they're struggling with like chronic UTIs or something. And I'm like, well, you know, this is, this is how we're going to fix that. Um, but again, that whole, we don't, I don't have time. That's such a mindset issue. That is, I, I cannot stand that answer for anything. You know, I don't have time. The only thing that I didn't have time for today was to watch a 25-hour Harry Potter marathon or do a 25-hour marathon run. Like, you had time. I I didn't make time. I chose to not prioritize prioritize. You didn't prioritize it. I didn't prioritize it. And sometimes it's okay. I intentionally and willfully did not make time for it because it shouldn't have been a priority because there were other higher higher and more important things. But something like take drinking water. You know, sure. that doesn't require any time at all. <laughs> that, yeah. That's a that's just the habit of it. Right. Well, they don't want to use the restroom. That's that's a comment I get a lot. They don't have time. They don't want to have to take breaks to go to the restroom. So, you know, it just there's so much research, though. It, it's very easy to find research. So if we could just take take those moments to be more mindful and present, we're going to always come back more efficient. And so. That's an easy, easy argument. I think that- the research is pretty consistent on on that and on, you know, sleep, like more sleep is better, you know, to a point, uh, you know, and, and reduced stress is better uh, up to a point. And, you know, taking those breaks are good up to a point. And what I get frustrated with from the from the medical industry is the changing opinion on on foods. You know, I. I remember in, in my experience, I've seen eggs go from something we ate all the time to like, don't eat eggs at all, to only eat the whites, to, uh, you know, it turns out there's different kinds of cholesterol. So, you know, now you can eat the yolks and uh, then, you know, it turns out we didn't know what we were talking about. Uh, don't eat meat. Wait, no, no, eat nothing but meat. Uh, it's all over the place. How do I, how do I know as somebody who doesn't know anything about that? How do I know what to believe when I see it? Well, I mean, there's a little bit of that. It depends. I feel like everybody is different. Um, You know, I had someone come to me the other day and they have really high cholesterol and we're trying to get it down. And so I said, okay, it's like what you said with cholesterol, just taking that example in functional medicine, cholesterol is a precursor to many other hormones like cortisol, testosterone, progesterone, estrogen. And so we don't want it to be too low. Uh, my client yesterday is, is too low and his doctor didn't want to take him off his cholesterol medication. And so I took him off. I took, took half and then we did a follow-up and it was still too low. And so I said, okay, see, I you know, your, your lifestyle is different now. And so we're able to get you off this medication. You don't need to just stay on it. But with that, like the, the person I was talking about earlier, I, you know, said, okay, two, 
two egg yolks a week. And this is just kind of a, a guesstimate, you know, and then egg whites the rest of the time, just trying to get your cholesterol down. So it just depends on the person, their goals, their history, um, what their body likes. And there's a lot, there's a lot of information out there like, okay, you're based on your blood type, based on your movement, based on things that you're doing, your stress level. So uh, I've had people ask me, is fasting okay? Well, everybody I work with is high stress. And so fasting for really long periods of time when someone's already really stressed and their blood sugar is up and down and up and down, that's just more stress. So, you know, it, it depends on a lot of different factors. Each person is different. But I would say a safe bet is fresh, you know, whole food from the earth, organic, balanced. I mean, broccoli's healthy, but not for everybody. Some people are sensitive to it. Um, and if you eat broccoli all the time and that's all you eat, that's not healthy either. So I'm a huge, you know, it, it depends on the person and eating balanced, well-rounded from the earth. I also think that it's hard. I'm sympathetic to your question, Dad, because it's hard to par- parcel out what works and what doesn't. But a really good rule of thumb is to probably look at the person who you admire, look at a person who's living a healthy lifestyle and go, what is this person doing? And then what sure. are the people who are not living a healthy lifestyle who don't have the results that I would want to emulate? What are they doing? Do the, and do the yeah. opposite. And, and <laughs> like, for example, I was talking to a client who is overweight and we don't talk about health, right? Now, she's overweight. She's not particularly strong. She has weak joints that she complains about. And I mentioned something about, this was not a conversation about health in general. I'm not giving health advice, but she said, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm starting to exercise. I'm starting to do this. I go, oh, cool. You know, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm, uh, I don't even remember what she said, but I said, I, I've been lifting weights recently and I've been really diving into lifting weights more. I really enjoy it. That's what's worked for me. I wasn't saying she necessarily needed to, but she goes, oh, well, well lifting weights is bad. Like, mm. All right. I'm going to look at you and then look at me <laughs> and I'm going to say that probably lifting weights based on no clinical studies, based on no medical advice that I've received from anyone, just by looking at you and looking at me, I'm going to think maybe be, maybe my lifting weights is probably okay. And so I look at people like you, I go, okay, well, if Julie's saying this works for her and for her patients, that's probably a good d- deal. When my friends who are smoking and drinking and staying up till 4 a.m., I don't have any friends that do I that. I don't know also, that example. But that if I'm looking at people who are having results, highly stressed, um, you know, everything's going on wrong in their life, uh, I'm probably not going to take their advice. I think also when you when you look at advice like that at that level, there's a there's a book called Food Rules by uh, Michael Pollan in the I like what he did in the book because he took all of that and basically distilled it down into three points. And if you just sort of heard these three points, you you know what his what his perspective is. I, I think it was something like uh, eat real food, not too much, mostly vegetables. Something you know, I think those yeah, were I the do three remember rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I'm like, well, that that is really helpful. And, and, and I started doing that with mm-hmm. people in the business owners in other industries, you know? So if I have a friend who uh, has a fencing contracting company, I said, what are the three rules for, you know, a fencing company? 
you know, if I'm putting a fence, what are my three rules? I another friend who puts in uh, audio visual and security systems. I, what are the three rules if I'm putting in a security system? What are the three things I should do? And so I started doing that. And it was amazing the wisdom you could distill from saying, I want you to break down your business advice or your leadership advice or your health advice in this case into three rules. What would be the three rules of advice that I would have or just living a healthier life? I would definitely say food, eating. I, I do believe in plant, plant powered. So eating lots of yeah different colors and vegetables and seasonal and local and all that. Anti-inflammatory foods. So huge proponent of that because inflammation chronically is the root of disease. I put everybody on more of an anti-inflammatory nutrition plan and sleep I think is huge. And I would say movement, basic, right? Just basic things. Yeah. Not complicated. I I have a question for you about, about the food thing, about the vegetable thing. So there's been these these things that have come out where they're making vegetables look like meats. You know, these sort of the fake meats, the fake, bur- you know, it's impossible burgers. It's satanic. What? I I've never had one. I don't. Of, I don't, the, of the devil. Have you ever had one? No, not, I'm you never know, born I, I, don't, I don't plan to have one. What do you? So, as an expert in this, Julie, what do you think of that stuff? Well, it's one thing if you're making it at home and you're getting the lentils yourself and you're making your little yeah, patties okay. with all the, the things that are fresh. And right. You're not that's adding. not what I'm talking. Yeah. I'm not talking about those. Yeah. A vegetable burger saying. is fine. I mean, yeah. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about smashing beans into a patty. No, yeah. Not cooking it at home. No. Impossible burgers? Yeah. Heck no. Yeah. The Beyond Meat, the Impossible Burger. No. Oh, that's got to be worse for you. No. Yeah. I mean, it's if you're doing it yourself, Great. If you're buying it from a package with chemicals and all the things to preserve preserve it, then you're back to eating something processed. Yeah, I bought um, like a thing of patties from the grocery store. I didn't know what Impossible Burger meant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I just thought it was a clever name. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. It's good marketing, yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I bought it and... Um, you didn't know it was vegetables? No, it's not even vegetables. It's whatever the hell. It's some like lab-grown nonsense. Oh, it's like, like an artificial protein that they create or something. I have no idea. I don't want to know. I just know <laughs> I can't pronounce half of the ingredients. I threw them all out. I was like, I'm not even going to try this. Oh, man. But thanks for being here, Julie. Where, yeah. where can people get a hold of you and connect with the work that you're doing? Well, my website is an easy way, so seedwellness.co and then Instagram at seedwellnessco. Perfect. I'd love to have you back and- Yeah, I would love to be Yeah, I'd love to have you back and talk about sustainable habits again and get your take on some of the bro science that I've adopted into my life. Thanks for being here. Appreciate (laughs) it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Julie. Good to see you. Have a good day. You too. So my takeaway from talking with Julie is looking at how she distilled her advice in focusing it on three areas, looking at the food intake we have, looking at the sleep that we get, and looking at uh, how we move our bodies. And if we can analyze those things, make systems on how we can prove, create habits on how we can prove and monitor the results, I think we're going to be further ahead. My takeaway is uh, the impact that work can have on your overall health. Uh, To hear that from someone like 
Julie um, meant a lot to me. You know, that was something that I, I think I always knew all the stress we feel at work, but that's something she's asking her patients right off the rip. So it's probably not a tertiary uh, consideration. It needs to be up there. And so our, our work-life uh, integration is really impactful when it comes to our wellness. You just made a great decision to listen to this episode of Decidedly. Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at decidedlypodcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.